You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care clinician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm here today with Dr. Susan Coffin, the clinical director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Coffin. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. We're going to be talking today about the influenza vaccine. So on June uh, 22nd of 2016, the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP, voted that the live attenuated intranasal vaccine should not be used this season due to low efficacy from 2013 to 2016. The reported efficacy of the live uh, flu vaccine, which we will call flu mist, uh, last year was 3% versus the 63% for the injectable. Since the CDC suggested that the flu mist might have been preferred in earlier seasons, like 2014 to 15, and stated no preference last season, many of us in primary care have encouraged the flu mist in all patients eligible over the age of two during this time period. How do we now go back and tell those patients that although last year we suggested it may generate a better immune response, that they can't have it at all this year without ruining the chances that they still believe in the efficacy again in the future? It's a tough story to tell, and I think from a scientific standpoint, we've also struggled to understand it. I think the simplest and most direct message uh, may be most effective, which is new studies have been done, which have revealed new information, and we feel it's most important that we share it with you and that you create an opportunity for your child to have the best possible protection from influenza virus, which is a serious uh, disease for children. Because of this, we are now making a change in our recommendation because we have a better recommendation for you this year. And this year, the recommendation is to have an injectable influenza vaccine. Great. I know that's a hard conversation to have, but like you said, it's an important one. Since the low efficacy that was reported is over the time period of 2013 to now, why are we just hearing about this and making a practice change now? Why has it taken three years? Um, The way in which we do vaccine effectiveness studies relies on us analyzing past data and comparing it to data generated from even further in the past. So we're always at minimum one year behind in terms of our understanding of vaccine effectiveness. And for that reason, after two consecutive seasons where the analyses demonstrated the flu mist was not living up to what its prior, what our prior studies had shown, uh, led to what um, is seen by many as a pretty dramatic change in recommendations. And do we know why the flu mist has had such a low efficacy compared to prior years? I don't think we know exactly why, but there are a few hypotheses. One suggestion has been that there's been some sort of a change in the way the vaccine is formulated that has led to the vaccine viruses replicating less Mm. in the current formulations of the vaccine as compared to those that were studied when the flu mist was first being developed. Mm -hmm. 
one of the most obvious changes is that we've gone from including three to four different vaccine strains. Right. When that um, new vaccine formulation with four virus strains was created, it was believed that it, each of those four virus strains would replicate as effectively as the three viruses did in our original formulation. But that may not be true. That may be part of the basis of the uh, lower effectiveness that we're now observing. Okay. And since, as you mentioned, it takes a few years to study vaccines, is it safe to say that we won't have flu mist next year? And will we see it again in the future? Or is this going to be gone from our repertoire? I don't know. I do think that um, it will require perhaps more than one year to sort this out and feel confident in reintroducing flu mist as a um, effective vaccine. I think it's my hope, as well as many other people's hopes, that we do have that option because there are many practical as well as um, uh, scientific reasons that it uh, could continue to be an important part of what we have to offer our patients as a way to get protection from influenza. And as I said, this recommendation came out in June of this year. So with this relatively recent policy change, do we need to worry about any supply issues with the injectable flu this year? Um, I, I think the answer there, sadly, is yes, a cautious yes, but yes. We, the, the uh, community um, of uh, people who administer vaccine and those responsible for producing it were caught off guard with an unexpected market shortfall in the number of different doses of vaccine that would be available for distribution. Now all of a sudden, somewhere on the order of about a third of all supply may not actually come to market because it's no longer being recommended. Mm -hmm. And what that uh, requires is that people, uh, companies that manufacture the injectable flu vaccine increase to the extent they are able their production over a very short timeline because, as you know, we only vaccinate against influenza for several months in the fall and early winter. Right. So what I'm hearing is get your flu shot early this year while it's in stock? I, I would say so. That's what my personal intention is. Yeah. So there's a lot of mythology out there about vaccines, obviously, and flu is uh, no exception to that. Some families have reported worries that getting their annual flu shot weakens their immune system over time. Is there any science behind this, or where does this myth come from? Um, this is a, 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 um, uh, a concern that's been expressed for many years, um, and it's a concern that's expressed not just by the uh, by people uh, when getting their influenza vaccine, but when getting any other sort of vaccine. And I think at its basis, the question is, does the flu shot work as well as getting real influenza in right. terms of producing future protection? And the answer there is, um, is complex because each year, as you know, there's a difference in the um, effectiveness of influenza vaccine. And we can't necessarily predict at the start of the flu season what the effectiveness of, of the vaccine formulation is. That said, there um, have been one or two small studies that have raised some provocative information suggesting there may be under certain very limited circumstances, um, situations in which prior immunity may interfere with the creation of future immunity when giving repeated influenza vaccines. 
this information is so preliminary and so scientifically complex, it is not anything on which to base a recommendation not to get influenza vaccine. Do I, in my clinic, need to worry about teenagers being pregnant before I give them their influenza immunization? As you know, patients come into primary care all the time. We give flu shots very quickly during this season. So is there anything such as pregnancy that I need to worry about before I'm giving them their shot? This is a really easy question to answer. It's an absolute no. Great. If you have a pregnant patient, that is a reason, actually, they have an even greater indication to get influenza vaccine. Giving a pregnant uh, woman an influenza vaccine does two really important things. First, it's going to protect the pregnant woman from getting a very serious case of influenza, which she would be at risk of by virtue of being pregnant. Mm -hmm. The second thing that it uh, uh, will do is pass on to um, a baby born during the season of uh, where influenza is uh, actively circulating immunity that may sustain that baby through the rest of the influenza season since they themselves will be too young to get their first vaccine until they're six months of age. So I say by all means, please vaccinate your pregnant patients. Great. So uh, although we're not OBs, there are two immunizations that women routinely should get during pregnancy. Influenza, as we just talked about, being one of them, and then Tdap being Absolutely. the other. Absolutely, and I think um, as uh, for, for those of us who care for um, younger women who are uh, pregnant and present for any kind of medical care, I would really encourage you to see it as an opportunity to get them a vaccine. Um, as a pediatrician, you know more about administering vaccines than any other healthcare group, so please help us uh, make sure that these young women are getting vaccinated. So who do I need to worry about giving the injectable influenza shot to in a primary care office between the ages of 6 and 21 when it's recommended? Who, who are contraindicated or who should I think twice about? There are relatively few contraindications these days. People who've had Guillain-Barre syndrome within six weeks of a flu vaccine are some of those people who should not be uh, recommended to get the influenza vaccine. Uh, people who have um, an allergy to one of the components of the influenza vaccine, such as some of the stabilizers or uh, antibiotics that are used to, to uh, prevent um, contamination, should not get the influenza vaccine. But there are now uh, recommendations about how to safely administer the influenza vaccine to egg allergic patients. And so um, uh, no longer are those people that um, uh, must avoid it, but actually there's safe ways to give that vaccine to, to um, egg allergic patients. Great. And I believe in our office we have an algorithm that helps nurses and physicians decide who in that egg allergy group is safe to get it in primary care and who may be a better um, candidate for getting it in the allergy office. Is that correct? That's correct. And those uh, recommendations, that algorithm that you're referring to, has been developed and um, uh, sanctioned by the American Academy of Allergy and Immunology. It's very safe and it's based on a lot of experience. So I would not hesitate to follow it in your decision making about which patients can get um, influenza vaccine. Great. How long does immunity from the influenza shot last? You mentioned that uh, we primarily are, are immunizing in fall and winter, and so how long, if I get my flu shot in the fall, should I expect that immunity to last for in that season? Um, immunity typically lasts after an influenza vaccine for at least four to six months. 
That said, sometimes it wanes, meaning the concentration of the antibodies and potentially the numbers of protective T cells may um, fall over time. The question, though, is will you still be protected? And typically the answer is yes, you will be protected throughout the entire influenza season, even if you're um, vaccinated very early in the fall. And with winter temperatures sometimes extending further into the spring, and we saw cases of influenza last year, I believe in March and even April, do we need to worry about giving the influenza vaccine too early and missing some of that, those lingering cases in the late winter, early springtime? This is a question that um, uh, gets frequently asked, and I think the answer there is no. I think the bigger risk is not giving the influenza vaccine, missing that opportunity to get that child vaccinated. So I, once the flu uh, vaccine becomes available, I encourage people to start using it because the child that you say, come back and see me in November, um, may well be a child who does not actually make it back to your office and get the influenza shot. So. And children can get the influenza vaccine at CHOP whenever they enter care, correct? They can get it when they're at a subspecialist appointment, when they're an inpatient, and of course in our primary care clinics. That is true, definitely true. And we're, we're trying to find more and more ways to identify patients that, that um, uh, get care from us in any setting, as you say, um, and give them an influenza vaccine recognizing that there is relatively short window in which children can receive the vaccine and have the protection they need for the upcoming winter season. And we um, see it as our responsibility to help out primary care pediatricians who may not have an opportunity to see every child um, if they're coming in and out of specialty care. I know that there's been a lot of push around CHOP to educate families about the lack of flumus this year. How do we also tell them about how effective we can expect the injectable flu to be this year? I think that's a difficult thing to do. I think that the um, variability, year-to-year -year variability in vaccine effectiveness, even for just the um, injectable vaccine, can be marked. What I like to share with patients is that by getting this vaccine, you have a, um, uh, you will be reducing your child's risk of getting influenza. We don't know by how much. We don't know if you're going to reduce it down to zero, but you're going to take a risk and make it lower. And that's something that I would want for my child. I think that's something you'd want for your child. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for helping clarify what happened with the flu mist this year and reinforcing that we should be giving everybody the influenza vaccine. I'm hoping that we have a mild flu season, but we will hopefully be prepared with our shots. And so thank you for helping the CHOP Care Network and everyone else understand this issue a little bit better. I really appreciate the chance to talk about it. It's really important to me and I think to, uh, to all of us as pediatricians to do all we can to make sure this vaccine gets uh, taken up by as many of our patients as possible. Great, thank you. I'm gonna go get my shot. Great. <laughs>